God, Stephen, come on, come on, no, no, no. we got to come in together, ready? One, two, two. ba da 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 okay, no, no, hold on, one, two, ba da 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 ba da da to episode 50 of Nonprofits. Is that right? 15, one five. A one five. I thought you were saying five zero. I was like, I don't think that's a correct count, Stephen. I've been doing them in my sleep, been doing them without you. I'm Stephen Campbell. That hurts my feelings. And I'm also Stephen Campbell. And this is the Nonprofits. And I'm going to warn you guys up top no, I'm not feeling much better. Um, no, my husband did not poop in the hallway this time, but my, <laughs> my rum tom. <laughs> It's feeling is not feeling good. Like I'm not feeling well. I'm not I'm not doing great. And I've been, are you uh is this still side effects of of surgery or is this just generally not feeling too hot? Well, I didn't have surgery. Thank God yeah. I was able to avoid that because I literally told the doctor I cannot go around comedians with a colostomy bag. Like that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> they are animals. <laughs> You know, and God bless, this isn't like, you know, I don't hate people with colostomy bags. I get it. Like, it's a total medical thing. But you should know that comics are trash. And if I were to come around other comedians while wearing a colostomy bag, they would be merciless. They would not care about my illness. It would just be like, oh, Frankie thinks she's the shit. And then it would go from there. Oh, Frankie thinks she's the shit works pretty, pretty well right off the top. Yeah, that's that's the intro to the barrage and onslaught of just vicious french roasting of frankie which is um, so things are starting to open up inside which is yeah. pretty exciting inside uh, in new york yeah well so april 2nd is when they open up so we, we what's just, going on with cuomo is he is he being gross like what's what's happening i just i can't i don't have the bandwidth to to pay attention to okay. that stuff. I, I, you know, it was funny. So uh, early pandemic, I would only allow news once a week because it just was, there was nothing, no benefit. That's to weird life. because you've told me this like 56 times. Okay. So well, uh, I wish we could scale that back to once a week, but whatever, you know, do your thing. Do you? <laughs> well, no, I was just saying because like the so I since then I've become much more selective with like any of the anything that could even be remotely tabloid esque. Gotcha. I, yeah, I won't even as soon as as soon as I see breaking uh, news, Meghan like, Markle delete. Yeah, like Meghan Markle. No, I didn't. It, what the the British family or the royal family that has been colonizing countries for for hundreds of years is racist what that's an elitist like i i I only had the bandwidth to be angry about about only a few things i i try to keep it uh keep the orbit a little little friendly you know no i dig it i i did watch the full markle harry interview because i couldn't not look away like it was i saw so here's how i got trapped in it okay I was scrolling through Facebook or maybe it was Instagram and saw like a snippet mm. and watched that snippet, like it kind of inadvertently. And I was like, huh, 
I wonder, click, click, click. Oh, full interview. Click. And then that was it. And then I was just trapped. Yeah. And then then I've researched the royal fan. It's disgusting. I've done too much. That's how they get you. You know, in World War One, at that point in time, if it wasn't every European country, it was almost every European country had blood relation in some way, shape or form. Um, Which is wild because that's that means that World War One was just like a family beef. Yeah. Just uh, just just people dying over over just, you know, think about a time that you've had a dis like a family discord. Right. And think about if you had whole armies of people to throw at each other to to settle that beef. Right. Like, I mean, I would definitely go have gone nuclear a couple of times. Like word mom. Oh, for real. Dad. Yeah. hundred percent. No remorse. Um, but yeah, we've got the Ebendite missions on today from Selma, Alabama. Very excited. Very Your excited. segues are atrocious. Super califragilistic. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a segue as it was a period, a, a pressing enter twice, indent, make a new paragraph, and then... Maybe- okay, you're making this worse. You know how you spill oil on silk and then you try to rub it to get it out and then it just no. spreads the oil and makes the stain worse? That's what a, you're doing right I don't now. own silk. B, I would never <laughs> spill oil. I, I cook with my shirt off. <laughs> okay, there's, there are also body oils, Stephen. The oil can be used for more than just cooking. Wow. Wait, do you wear silk? Yeah, of, yeah. And cashmere on occasions. I'm literally on my live show right now. My daughter's totally interrupting. Oh, sorry. Bootsy has a question. So, guys, if you know Bootsy from By the Way They're Gay, she she has a question. Yes, how many? I help what's you? your question? Um, does lotion count as like a body oil? Yes, lotion would count as a body oil. Now, please um, <laughs> give that to me now. Bootsy, that was not a value add to the conversation. <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Look, Stephen, she's smarter than both of us, so we're going to go with it probably was a value add. We just don't understand how. I feel like that's the more accurate route. Um, so we're talking to Chad today, and so I just found out before that Chad's a lot connected a lot closer with my family than I thought we were. Uh, and so... My Steven, I have to tell you something. Mm. Chad's your dad. Ah, <laughs> this is episode 15 gets real. It gets so real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, but so my grandma was mm-hmm. his school nurse when he was in college. It's crazy. And, right. And so Chad, Chad's a, a, a priest down in Selma. And um, so actually, so my cousin is studying to be a Jesuit priest right now, Uh um, which was wild because I lived with him for three years. And at the end of three years, he was like, I I need to change the world. You are so horrible. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you know what? I have been called to the faith. Okay. You are disgusting. This this family (laughs) needs a net positive effect. (laughs) Right. This is got to be one of those situations where God's showing me the actual devil so that I come back to his, his bosom. So I'm going to just go ahead and chuck these deuces and get into seminary school. Bye. You know, it was actually funny. So uh, I lived with my cousin for three years, Matt, and Matt Matt never like brought uh, any girls home or anything like that. Right. And so uh, I, I thought that 
it was because he may be gay and may be like embarrassed of it. It couldn't possibly be that he just doesn't want to sin against the Lord. It I get it. Be that. I, right. I understand. Right. But that was my that was my uh, uh, assumption. And so it was this thing that towards like we had about six months left of living together and he uh and you try to make out with him and he's like dude what are you doing yeah that, no no because no, no. different but so <laughs> uh, i i was like pretty sure of it and then uh he got a book delivered to the house because he had a whole litany of reading that he had to do to start preparing for seminary school and oh wow and but one of them was uh some version of uh I forgot exactly what it was called, but it was some version of like romantic relationships and uh, and God or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I saw that as evidence that he, he was, was like, gay. Rest- he was wrestling with his sexual identity, <laughs> and so um, then this then, is hilarious that you. Right, this is so, so funny. And then so uh, one day, me, uh, him, and a bunch of my friends, we have some drinks. And, and then you tried to make out with them. Is this what? No, no, no. no. I'll X that part out. There was never, I never. <laughs> that, that didn't, okay. That didn't happen. Fair. And so um, he hangs out with like one of my girlfriends. And afterwards she's like, oh, I found something out about your cousin. I can't tell you. It's a big life thing. And I was like, oh, my, like, god. Oh my like, god, he's definitely gay. Right. Right. And I was like, I was like really hurt that like, he didn't feel like, like comfortable, comfortable telling yeah. about that. And so one time me and him are having drinks together and I was like, this is it. I'm going to bring it up. And he, he's like, Steven, I have something to tell you. And I was just like, oh my God, we're doing this. This is it. <gasps> we're like, going to make uh, out. He's like, I'm, I'm going to. And I was like, okay, let's finish each other's sentences. He's like, become a priest. He's like, oh my God, I'm so glad we didn't finish each other's sentences. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, he, so when the Pope came through to DC, um, that was kind of his catalyst for, he was, you know, very inspired by the words um that that's pretty cool and um honestly with uh there there are um the the catholic church didn't have great press for a long time and i am very glad that somebody like my cousin is uh is 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 in is is in the ranks there. I love it. You know, so Bella. Good. I mean, whoops. Bootsy was blessed by a priest her first day out of the hospital. Actually, on her way out of the hospital, it was what, kind um, of. What did that look like? It was a, it was really weird. If I'm being honest, like it was really weird, kind of cool. I don't know. Like I'm not a big religion person. You know, my my family. I was raised Muslim for the most part, and then you know, I kind of stepped away from that in any sort of formal sense. And then I've dabbled in like Buddhism, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, um, just kind of like reading and studying and kind of just trying to figure it out. But um, I had boots uh, at, I had her four months early. So she was due on my birthday, November 6th, but I ended up having her July 19th, right? Like four months early. She was one pound, eight ounces. And um, so she was in the hospital all the way up until the day before Christmas Eve. So I brought her home December 23rd, 2005, right? And I was so excited to bring her home. She was my Christmas present. And so I'm walking out of, 
to the elevators with her and this priest steps off the elevator and I just got this like really calming feeling. It was just, it was weird, Stephen. It was really weird. And it was just us there. And he just looks at me and he goes, can I bless your, your child? And I was like, well, of course you can. Like, you know what I mean? Like, duh. Yes, please. And it was just weird. It was really cool. And then he just like laid hands on her. Like he put the sign of the cross on her forehead and said some words and that was, it was just weird. And then he just disappeared. Not really, but it was, you know what I mean? Like it was just one of those weird, like yeah. no one else was there. I don't even know where he was going to. He was in full, like, you know, the full priest, the, you know, the collar, the whole jam. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really neat. And she's been pretty blessed her whole life. So that's cool. Yeah. It's pretty I, cool. Uh, I, my family on, on my dad's side is very Catholic Irish. My mm-hmm. family on my mom's side is very Catholic Italian. Um, both grandmothers. So you go- get like round trip tickets to guilt. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. In different ways. Where, where the Italian <laughs> First way, class. <laughs> the Italian way of guilt is just with like little seeds that they'll plant of like, hey, you're not doing as great as you, <laughs> you might were. think. Right. Where the, da- the, the Irish side is much more heavy handed. <laughs> yeah, not only do you get this guilt, you get this welt to, oh, no. <laughs> to remember it. Um, but yeah, my, my, uh, my great uncle was a priest, um, you know, and then like his mom and dad, uh, they, they were like the caretakers at the seminary. My, every time I would go home to my grandma or go back to Vermont at my grandma's place, there would always be a new, a new priest, a nice cigar smoking priest that I love always, it. always good people. Um, so yeah, it was always a very big part of, uh, of growing up. And so, yeah, my, my grandma that, uh, Chad, Chad knows, um, Mm -hmm. she was a nurse there. And the thing we were just talking about is she, she's at an age that I am constantly trying to just ask her questions about her. Why for the last hundred years that she's lived. Right. Right. Cause especially like, I don't know, like as, as a young kid so much of the time is spent on grandma being caretaker kind of a thing that there's not much conversation about like so what makes you tick grandma <laughs> uh, you know and what's so, your deep dark grams <laughs> right and so i found out that right uh she was talking about some lady by name and i was like i was like grammy like i don't understand who that person is she's like oh that's who i was in quarantine with for two years with <laughs> So she, she was stuck in a hospital for two years with tuberculosis. So she had tuberculosis and was quarantined. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and wow. She, she said she literally just read books in a hospital for two years. Wow. Um, Why was she there so long? I don't, I don't really understand the logistics of it. I just know. Yeah, I'm going to need you to go back to Graham, to Graham Graham and just say, hey, Graham, your granddaughter that you don't know, Frankie, really <laughs> needs some questions answered. Don't be shocked. She's very tan. And then I'll come in and then, you know, poor grand grandma. Like how, just how vastly tougher that generation is because like that didn't even register as a thing for her to talk about that. She was imprisoned for two years. Well, right? see, yeah. I mean like our ancestors. So I don't know if you've ever seen this where they had the, the cages outside the windows back in the day in like the twenties. 
that you would put your kid in a cage, like, <laughs> like you, you know, like um, like a uh, when you, what a fire escape. It's like a fire escape, yeah. literally outside the window, just like a fire escape, but it's a cage that's just suspended in the air. And you put your kid in there, and then you go out and like run your errands. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> you never, you never seen this? No. Yeah, they had them back in the in the they had them, they had them in cities like back in like the twenties or something like that, thirties, something like that. But yeah, it was you know think about when we were kids though. We someone would put us on a metal object, grab it, and then fling it as hard as they could until someone flew off and broke something. Other people are gonna vom like the spit happening. Every you're gonna die. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have when I was little. I used to get left home all the time alone at like four and five years old alone in my house. And I knew like I knew what I was supposed to do. But, you know, different times. My dad, my dad would Saturday morning, wake me up early, uh, you know, not too early, seven ish. Send me outside, lock the door. Yeah, right. And I'd be like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, go out. Yeah. Not be here. Yeah, Yeah. right. You're supposed to not be in my face. I'm an adult. I should not have to be responsible for you. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to hang out with a little punk ass kid all day. Are you a lunatic? Yeah, totally. Yeah, they they were we were like four humans were four tough back in the day. Now, like if they brought slavery back, um, I'm sorry. I don't drink tap. Like I'm gonna have a problem. Like this is gonna be problematic. Because yeah. I'm gonna need to speak to a fucking manager right now. Yeah, that's a that's a real real profound thought that if slavery came back, it would be problematic. It's gonna be a problem. Like I'm not built for that. Like I'm, I'm sorry, I'm an indoor cat, and we're gonna need to rearrange some of this. I can maybe manage some slaves. Like I just can't like be actively doing sure. stuff. I would work HR for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I would maybe work. HR and try to figure out a way to undermine the system and set everyone free that I can do that job, but like hitting me. Oh my God. No, that's not going to work. No, not with social media, not with social media. Uh, do you want to bring our guest on? Yeah, of course. Hey. He's an actual live priest, right? Oh yeah. He's like a legitimate live, one. Is he ma- priest, actual live, amazing human being. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but I I have a weird interest in the priesthood and and being, I used to want to be a nun. There was a period where I know it seems shocking. Right. But like, when I think about being a nun, I could see myself doing that. Okay. Is that weird? Let's talk a little bit about that with Chad. I would, I would like to. Yeah. Let's bring him on. Um, Our guest today coming from the Edmundite missions in Selma, Alabama, Everybody, give a round of applause if you're it, hey, hey. Or, hey. Or Chad McCarran. McCarran, no, you Chad. did it. You did it. <laughs> did I mess it up, Chad? No, you did it right. Ah, yes. <laughs> Here, Chad, uh, can you turn your camera on? Um, we will do it. My camera on. Yeah, it's, it should. You should see a little camera in the bottom left-hand oh, corner. Yeah, yeah. Just click go. on that. It should bring your camera up. There you go. Hey. hey oh, there we are. Hey, there you are. Woo. Good to see you. Good to be seen. <laughs> so, Chad, I have all the questions. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, no, it's not an oh, boy. So, I have a real interest in, um, like, the priesthood. Mm-hmm. 
I at one point wanted to be, actually at several points thought about being becoming a nun. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't know if that was a thing I could do. But anyway, um, so you're a real life priest, right? No. Well, why does Stephen no? keep saying that? I'm bursting your bubble. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. goodbye, Chad. Delete. However, no, I'm however I studied to be a priest. Oh, yeah. Ah, okay. Yes, I did study to be a priest. And and what did that process look like from deciding that you wanted to study to what at which point did you uh, decide that maybe it wasn't the path forward for you? Well, so I I joined the Franciscan order um, and I'm, I'm very thankful I didn't uh, live with a cousin like you. Um, but, uh, you know, that yeah, right. Um, all the questions. Wow. Uh, but no, it was interesting. And, and uh, living in community is like living in family. And, you know, at some point, you just sometimes uh, having made the choice, I said, well, I don't know if this is really what my call is. Um, and it's interesting, because uh, since leaving the seminary, uh, I've worked for the Catholic Church the whole, the whole time. So oh, wow. yeah. But, and have you been, been down in Selma for how long have you been in Selma? So I've been in Selma since 2008. Okay. And uh, I took over the missions uh, in 2012 uh, when Father Dick Mahalik retired. So I'm the first guy that uh, isn't a priest actually to run the mission. Got it. Okay. That's mm-hmm. why Stephen thought you yeah, were a yeah. priest. Which is fair. It's okay. Which is fair. Which is fair. Um, it, but it, you know, the Edmund Dykes founded St. Michael's College, as you were talking about earlier, where um, Stephen's grandma was the nurse for the, for the college. And, uh, so I've just, I've been with them ever since I was a kid. And so what, a, what exactly does the, does the mission do? How is that different than, uh, how is that separate from what the church does and like the work that you do in Selma? Sure. So, I mean, we, we are one big umbrella Catholic church. Uh, you know, we've been in Selma since 1937, uh, and uh, our founders, two priests, Father Casey and Father Perro, arrived in Selma, 1930, July 6, 1937. And um, they went down there with, at, the, at the request of the Pope uh, of the t- oh, wow. at that time. And it was to evangelize in, in uh, the African-American population. And when Father Casey got there, he realized these are not folks that need evangelization. These are very poor folks that need food. And it really launched the entire uh, entirety of the missions that we see today um, that just uh, continues to serve. And, and it's a non-Catholic environment, if you will. It's um, mm. very Baptist, a lot of other religions. Um, and the Catholic Church, uh, our, our parish in Selma has about 170 people or so. Um, so we're a small group, but uh, certainly uh, a force within the Black Belt region of service to those in need. So. I love sure. it. Mm-hmm. I love, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephen. It, um, it didn't the it didn't the mission have some sort of relationship with uh, with John Lewis? Yes. Yeah. And I actually uh, about five years ago had the privilege uh, to meet him. Shut uh, your face up, Chad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. At Brown Chapel, I was representing the missions uh, and went over to him and Father Maurice Ouellette, who passed away several years ago. Uh, had great admiration for Father Maurice, uh, as did uh, John Lu- uh, Father Maurice for John Lewis. And um, I went up and I just said, hey, uh, I said, uh, Congressman, I just want to introduce myself. I'm now the one leading the missions. 
and um, Father Maurice always had the utmost respect for you. He stood up and gave me a hug ah. and, and said, continue with the great work and continue to heal like you healed me. Uh, because at the time of Bloody Sunday, which we just celebrated um, this past Sunday, um, John Lewis was beaten, as we all know, and he was taken to Good Samaritan Hospital, which was uh, founded by the Edmundite Missions in 1943, oh, which wow. was the only place for African-Americans to get health care. Wow. Uh, and, and it's very interesting during the time uh, because of the brothers, sisters, and priests were uh, a, a lot a majority white, obviously, uh, serving and tending to the needs of the poor and the African-American community of, of Selma and the surrounding areas. They were coming from 50 miles away for health care. Wow. Um, but at great peril uh, because a white person was not supposed to touch a black person. And the sisters, the brothers, and the priests said, these are you know, our brothers and our sisters and tended to, uh, to all the needs of the, of the community. Uh, so it's, 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 it's an incredible legacy. It's an incredible history that the Edmundites yeah. have uh, in the Black Belt and throughout the entire South, really. Why is it called the Black Belt? The soil. It's the most fertile soil in the United States. Oh, interesting. Can you mail me some soil? I want to start my in-home garden. I'm not kidding, Stephen. Yes, uh, I will send you a box of, of our soil. <laughs> I, oh my God, please, please tell me you're not kidding, Chad. If you do that, I will cook you food because I'm also an amazing cook. Well, Boom, in your face. <laughs> that's a deal um, then. <laughs> Excellent. We, we, were talking, we were talking to Joe. Uh, I was talking to Joe a couple weeks ago. Um, we'd love to come do some, do some charity shows down in Selma. We'd oh my God, I would here. love to do that. I just, I'm, your story is so amazing. My, my daughter, when she was, hmm, I want to say probably about five or six, was really into, and still now today, really into black history. Um, and so I bought her, no, maybe she was like six or seven. I bought her John Lewis's comic book series. Um, and she really thoroughly enjoyed that. And it's just so cool that you met him in real life. Yeah. You're so lucky. That's so amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Is it? You know, it's still a, it's a cherished memory for sure. I met um, and hung out with uh, Dr. King's grandson once. Neat. Uh, yeah, and I was. It was so weird because I was doing um, an event for the March on Washington Film Festival. Uh, it's a nonprofit here in D.C. And they, every year they celebrate the March on Washington um, with films and comedy and different types of entertainment, like a festival for over a weekend. And they asked me to come and speak um, in regards to Dick Gregory and kind of his movement um, as a comedian. And I literally spoke for maybe four minutes. And this gentleman found it so impactful after the show was over. He comes up to me and I have no clue who he, who he is. And he literally gets on his knees in front of me and just grabs my hands and starts thanking me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, please stand up. Like, I'm not do not do that. Right. <laughs> and he just hugged me and thanked me. And it was just such a beautiful interaction. And then after he walks away, someone else comes over and goes, oh, my God, do you know who that was? And I was like, I have no idea who that was. And she goes, that's Martin Luther King's grandson. You know what I mean? So just that's like, cool. yeah, really freaking cool moment. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. And so. And I know this might be a broad question, but how how do race relations look now in Selma? Um, you know, you know, it's it's um it's I'll put it this way: it's still alive and well. Um, sadly to say, um, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, 
you know, and it's uh, Frankie, you know, it's interesting because we have a lot of uh, African-Americans who are trying to make their way and they talk about the, the uh, crawfish in the, in the bucket trying, you know, someone gets up a little high and then they try to pull them. Oh, down. crabs in the bucket. Yeah. Crabs in the bucket. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're, we're constantly uh, in the missions, particularly, you know, really trying to build up a community uh, that mm-hmm. is, that sees positive, uh, you know, that, 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 someone moving up the ladder is good for all of us, not just one of us. But, you know, but, you know, in the the clientele that we serve, uh, it is folks are fighting for food. They're fighting for, um, you know, cool air in the summer because there's one, one air conditioning unit in the house or they're sharing electricity uh, that is the next door neighbor just to run a fan. I mean, it's, it, it is uh, an environment that most people wouldn't believe is here in the United States. That that's one of the big issues we deal with. Yeah, that's bananas. What do you what do you think some of the answers could be? You know, I have the, this belief that it's a number of things. One, it, there's there's a healing that needs to happen with the whole of America and the mm-hmm. black community like that. Mm-hmm. That's just something that we need to acknowledge um, publicly out loud. All of us together acknowledge what happened and then start healing. And one of the things I think is very important is um, our conversations. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, I, and, I, and in those conversations, there's got to, in my opinion, there has to be space and room for people to get it wrong. And I think that the climate that we're in now, the way we cancel people for you know, making incorrect statements or saying negative things, it doesn't leave a space for someone to come and say, I have racist beliefs. I have had racist beliefs or I come from a family with these types of beliefs. I want to be different and I, I'd like to learn. We don't, there's no room for that. You know what I mean? I, and I think that that's a big part of the conversation and to speak to the crab in the barrel mentality, you know, that's been ingrained in the black community for, you know, centuries, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we've been taught that, you know, the light skinned black folks get to be in the house, the darker skins get further out in the field. And then there's this fear of placement. There, you know, we don't often see multiple black people succeeding in an area. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's always, always one of us celebrated. There's only one great tennis player. Now Serena's done and Naomi's turn. And there can be two. You know, mm-hmm. there can be ten. You know what I mean? So that mentality is very, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, like I said, has been conditioned into the black community over over centuries. Over you know, centuries. unfortunately. It is. It's very unfortunate. And, you know, and I think that that uh, what's been very interesting about the missions in its 80 plus year history is not only are we there as servants, but we listen to the community. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have uh, the projects and, you know, people are constantly saying, you know, oh, you know, don't walk down there. Don't go there. Don't go here. Don't do this. And I can walk down there day or night. And it's, hey, Mr. Chad, what's going on? Hey, Mr. Mm. Chad, what's, you know, if you, if you actually get to know people, if you get Mm -hmm. to understand what people are going through and not, not just, uh, you know, you're poor, so I'm going to give you a hug and say, you know, have a great day, but really get into the lives of, of those individuals to care about them with dignity and respect. And that they see that in everything that you do as an organization and as Mm -hmm. a person that it doesn't stop when you walk down the street this way or that way. Or if you're with white folks, you say this. And if you're with black folks, you say that. Uh, one of the greatest things, compliments I think I ever got was um, from one of the councilmen at a council meeting. 
And uh, he said, you know, the one thing you can count on is wherever Chad is, he's the same person. Mm, and so yeah. that makes a huge difference in the life of our ministry, uh, that mm -hmm. we can be who we are. And you're right. I don't always get it right. Um, and we make mistakes. But if we're listening to the community, we can correct it and we can work through it together. Um, and, you know, and like I said, in our areas where we serve, do you know that there can be uh, gunshots going off here and there? You can have buildings being shot up. You can have all kinds of things going on, vandalism. We are in the heart of the poorest area of, of any place where we serve, and not one thing happens to our buildings. Mm. Not one piece of vandalism. And so, you know, when you start to realize, you know, and, and it was brought home to me a, a few years ago, uh, God rest him, one of our clients, he came up and we had just opened up our new Bosco Center that serves over 340,000 meals a year, by the way. And wow. um, yeah. Uh, you and, said, wait, hold on, hold on. Say that yeah, number again. 340,000. Wow. Okay, year, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. That's crazy. And uh, we had just put in these machines for juice and water. And it was, uh, he came up to me and he had a, uh, another one of our clients and he goes, Mr. Chad, Mr. Chad. I said, what's wrong, Patrick? He said, I have a question. I said, what's that? He goes, are we broke? I said, what do you mean are we broke? <laughs> we had alternated juice and water. One day we'd have juice in the machine at lunch and water in the evening. And I said, Patrick, I said, no, we're not broke. What, what do you mean? He said, it's only water in there tonight. There's no juice. <laughs> and I said, well, it'll be back tomorrow, Patrick. We'll be all set. But I walked away from there thinking, he didn't say, is the missions broke? Are you broke? Yeah. He said, are we broke? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very telling about, you know, the respect that, that, that we felt as a, as a community, that he knew that that was his space as much as it was anybody else's. Right. And so to ask if we're broke, uh, for me, was one of those uh, really precious moments to, to take away. He since passed away. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, it, just, it was just one of those moments where you, you really know that the mission of the missions is real mm -hmm. when, when somebody can say that. And, and what is it, what is the work looked like over the last year? How is that, you know, with COVID, with everything, mm -hmm. how is, how is the scope of work? The <laughs> I'm sure you guys have been drastically impacted. Yes, we have. Um, one of the interesting thing, I will tell you this, and I'm very proud of all the folks that work in the missions at, at the various sites. We've had to alter how we do service delivery, uh, but nothing has stopped. Oh, wow. Uh, and that has been an incredible blessing uh, for, for the communities in which we serve. Um, our Bosco Nutrition Center that I was speaking about earlier, we went to a grab and go rather than congregate dining. Um, mm -hmm. Our Catholic Social Ministry Services, they went to a more... Uh, appointment based so that everything could be in, in more spaced out so that, you know, folks could come in and we could sanitize. And uh, we just did every protocol possible. Um, we in Selma, obviously the schools went virtual. Uh, and mm -hmm. the worst thing that, I mean, I know it was the best thing given COVID. It was the worst thing possible to happen for our kids um, mm -hmm. because we struggle from the get go uh, to get a leg up on education um, you know, when 20% of our, our kids are proficient in reading and 5% in math when they graduate. Oof. Uh, and so now we're, you know, we're having this impact, you know, this virtual thing where it's much easier to play with your PlayStation or go work 
so you can bring in, in some money at Walmart or whatever you know place they could get in a, a little job. Um, so we opened up an academic resource center uh, where kids could come uh, grade, uh, ages one through 12. And we averaged about 55 kids a day where we oh, had wow. computers and we fed them. Um, but we had tutors there. We had, uh, you know, all kinds of resources available uh, to try to keep them on track. And one of the greatest things was uh, they did mid, I don't know how they did these, the, well, you know, the tracking of grades and all that kind of stuff. But um, our, there was these blips uh, on these kids uh, in the school systems. And they tried to figure out like, why, why is this one doing well and this one not and this one not? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, the majority of the kids were in our program. Oh, wow. And so it was that consistency of being there and being present. Mm-hmm. But you know, the parents knew that the kids were safe, um, that, that we were taking care of them. And I mean, it was, it was a great blessing to be able to do that. Um, but we had to modify, you know, what, what we would have normally done in our brand new community rec center um, and turn it into an educational space uh, for, for our kids. But it was what, you know, what we had to do to respond to the, to the need. I love it. Yeah, I was wondering because I'm sure you're saying how impoverished the area is. I'm sure the majority of those kids don't have access to Wi-Fi or computers and things like that to log in virtually. Right. For uh, many of the kids, uh, you know, they were giving kids computers. At oh, good. But it was like one per family. And, mm. you know, it's that's not a lot of computer time and they all had to be logged on at the same time for their virtual classes. Right. So, so how would they have, manage? That's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was poorly thought out. <laughs> so, you know, we just, we just wanted to be there and be present and, you know, just like I said, respond to the community and, and do what we could to, to make things better. I really love this connection you have to the community. I don't know why I'm thoroughly enjoying this. And not not the conversation. I mean, yes, I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm just like open mouth, insert foot. What I'm tra- here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like we talk to lots and lots and lots of nonprofits, and I have loved every single one that we've had had on. They've been great. But like I want to like work with. I want to do something with you guys. Like I really love what you're doing. It's just very inspiring. I don't know. Like what uh, do you? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I don't know. Like, what can we bring a bus of comedians down and like volunteer? I don't know. Like, yeah. I just, do you get what I'm saying, Stephen? Like, I want to yeah. get involved. Well, that I was want to do something. One of the here. things that we had discussed with Joe is that once uh, in person stuff is, is allowed, that um, we, we don't even need to do a show. I just want to come and like come. help. Yeah, I just want to come. come and help. But, you know, I, I think that um, you, you kind of you were touching on, you know, the connection with the community. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I grew up in Vermont. And, you know, came down at the request of, of uh, Father Dick Mahalik to help him out, uh, not envisioning I would ever be staying, um, right. but to help him out. And <clears throat> it was a couple of years later, and he, he said to me, he says, gosh, you really love it. And I said, I love it. I said, but this, I'm really afraid. And he says, what are you afraid about? I said, I'm afraid I'm falling in love. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a wonder, that has been one of the most wonderful gifts because uh, it's not, you know, and, and I'm in love with the folks that I work with, the community mm-hmm. we serve, you know, every day there's a challenge, but there's people that, you know, care, uh, incu- including those that we serve um, because mm-hmm. they serve us too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to be in love and to feel absolutely serene. 
Um, and it's yeah. different from peace because peace can come and go. Uh, but if, sure. you, if you have serenity in your soul, then you know that the Lord is touching you. And, you know, uh, a lot of people, as ca- they'll say, well, why, why would a Catholic group be, be in Selma, Alabama? It's Baptist. It's, you know, Methodist. <laughs> it's just, and we're, we're in Selma and everywhere where we serve precisely because we are Catholic. That's our call. Our mm-hmm. call is of service uh, regardless. And, you know, um, that, that's, that's just what we do and how we do it. Um, and is this a particular neighborhood that you work with or is it a series of neighborhoods? Counties. Counties. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. What's the, what do, what do you think is the main issue? Like what, so I love what you guys do, but obviously, I mean, I think we can all say that there needs to be like a big helping hand for the, mm-hmm. for these people. What, what would that big helping hand look like? You know what I mean? Like what steps could people take to really make that community and these areas better? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I can only speak to sort of how we're addressing that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the things is that as, organiz- as organizations grow and transform, as society grows and changes, um, you know, you have to be responsive. And so for, for a long time, um, you know, giving out a sandwich was fine, giving out food was fine and helping with the utility bill. And as time grew and as, you know, the times have changed, you know, we had to come up with not only a service, never walking away from those that we need to serve, but we had to come up with some solutions. And working with our community college, we have a wonderful community college in Selma. And we went and spoke and we, you know, we said, how can we help? And um, Dr. Mitchell, the president of the college said, you know, it's really uh, not about more scholarship money. He said, our biggest issue is those that come to programs have to leave because they have a family, because they have uh, to take care of a parent or, or, and they're working two or three jobs. Right. So one of the things that we started at the missions is called Forwards with the Missions. And it's a program that we're focusing on nursing students right now at our community college. And we had a young woman, uh, Kwashia. And she went into the program and we, we interviewed, I think it was seven or eight folks that qualified for the program. And it wasn't a scholarship, but what it was is it helped them with their rent, with childcare, with gas, with a oh, wow. car payment, rent, whatever, they, whatever was sort of like that other stuff, the others. Mm-hmm. And she finished her uh, LPN, which paid $23,000 a year. She graduated with her RN took the, took the test passed. She's now making 53,000. Oh, wow. So So she's doubled her salary, doubled her salary and created a middle class for her and her family. Yeah. That's amazing. Those are the kinds of initiatives. And, and and I'll tell you, it costs about $7,000 a year to run a couple of the different things because people have varying needs. Right. But, But being able to say, we'll do that. You know, she, she now only worked one part-time job and was able to do her rotations and all those things. Right. So a two, uh, a year and a half, almost two years later, she's now looking at buying her own home. Ah, so I mean, you know, it's like, I love that. And you know, but if you, if you, if you have a vision of what you, what you can become as an organization, a real life changer uh, and as a person. So for her, what she really envisioned as her, path forward and commits that's where the change comes and you know it's it's working together i mean it's really Mm -hmm. saying hey we're we're in this together you become a nurse 
when I get sick, I, I know that I'm going to be taken care of. Right. I mean, this, is, yeah. this is a good thing. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was talking a little bit earlier today about, you know, everybody's talking about the impact of this new stimulus package that just went, went, um, which will be passed tomorrow. You know, the biggest step to help those in poverty, this money is a band-aid. Right. It's a band-aid. It is not a long-term solution. Right. Not at all. That plague our, our, our areas, but it will be built up as this, look what we've, you know, we've, we've solved the problem with poverty yeah. by this $1,400 in this child credit. That is not going to fix the root of the problem. Right. A hundred percent. It will not. Yeah, absolutely not. So, um, I love what you guys are doing, Chad. We're best friends now. I don't know if you excellent. know that. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> so, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steven. Yeah. Don't, don't you guys also have a program where uh, there are local producers of, I, I don't recall, but they're like food yeah. products that yes. you guys are helping just with distribution or something like yeah. that as well. So uh, one of our big initiatives is we are redesigning our rural pro- programming and, you know, uh, food banks uh, have gotten a lot of press um, over the last, uh, you know, year or so of the need the problem with a lot of food banks is you get what they have. Right. And, so, and in particularly at this point in time, when folks are really coming to us as a grocery store, um, they're just getting whatever we're able to purchase. Um, and we, through the missions, like I said, since 1937, uh, food has been a part of our core, um, our, our core mission of service. And uh, we're now working we, we revamped our bag program, which was you come, I give you a bag, you go home and you're like, I don't like half of it. So it sits in your cupboard. What we did is we went on this point system and we said, hey, you know, you come, you have a family of four, you get 25 points. Uh, if you buy a, canned, uh, a can of peas, you use two points. If you buy a bag of, of fresh peas, you use a point. Mm-hmm. Trying to push folks towards, our, uh, you know, a, a fresh, fresh fruit. So we're now partnering with African American um, farmers in the Black Belt. Shut up! I love it. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. So they're bringing their produce, fresh produce, to us, mm. and we're buying it from them, and we're buying it from them, distributing it to our clients, and love so it. we're having, we're now having economic impact, and and that's one of the core things for the missions is that. You know, we want to be a proactive Catholic agent of social change that generates a vibrant community, a thriving economy through impactful programming, dynamic staff and vision, uh, Mm -hmm. visionary leadership. Uh, And so that's one of the greatest things that we've done out there. These farmers now have a place. First of all, they're not driving 50 miles away to the closest grocery store uh, Mm -hmm. or distribution place that they might farmers market, whatever. Um, they can do it right in their own backyard. And sure. so now they're, and two of, uh, two of the farmers that we've, that we've now engaged um, with, uh, they've had to hire three other people to work in That's their, fantastic. Uh, in their, in their gardens. So yeah. look how circular that is. Oftentimes we see nonprofits, you know, predominantly white nonprofits, and then they're, they're exchanging money and goods with other white organizations mm-hmm. And I just think that's really huge to just really point out the fact that you are working directly with black farmers. Like that's oh, yeah. yes. so circular. That's just fantastic. Food's, you know, food's, just, always, yeah. food's always the one that I, uh, I, 
pay the closest attention to him because I just think that it has such a wild intersection between everything, right? Mm-hmm. From from diet. Here goes Stephen talking about his food deserts. <laughs> from diet to maintaining culture to uh, to the agricultural economy and all of that. Um, and are there products that you guys uh, distribute outside of Selma? Isn't there like a so, um, so we have the. Uh, Emmadite Missions Enterprises. And what we have right now um, is we have four, I think we might be introducing a new flavor too of uh, pe- uh, pecans or pecans. Ooh, yeah. So pecans, the flavored yes. pecans, yes, pecans from up north, we say pecans, um, which Father Dick Well, says my daughter that, just that's told me that. That's under your bed, so. My daughter just told me that um, I sound pretentious when I say pecans, so well, whatever. Okay. Well, that's um, okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's your little thing. It's my little thing. (laughs) My little pretentious thing. (laughs) (laughs) So wait a minute. You guys have a a pecan farm? So no, we don't have a pecan farm. We purchase them. Oh, okay. We we create like the the spices and all of that. Oh, nice. Um, Well, so another one of our programs, we have uh, Bridges at the Missions Apprenticeship Program. And so folks who have been recently laid off or um, laid off or, or, uh, you know, the uh, plant closed or something like that. We have an apprenticeship program. So we bring them in and we embed them with the mission staff. So it's not somebody that has no skills or hasn't been in the workforce. It's somebody that has been in the workforce, but lost their job. And Mm -hmm. so we, we employ people in our maintenance department and our uh, Bosco nutrition center uh, in the kitchen uh, Mm -hmm. in our uh, Catholic social ministries, doing some clerical work or things like that. Uh, so all over the place, and uh, they're embedded in with our folks. And then, you know, we work with them on some of the soft skills um, for better employment. Uh, and we've had a, we've now had a class. Uh, well, we've graduated 25 individuals, and they've all gone in, on to either full-time employment or higher ed. Damn, Love that's it. incredible. Yep. That's amazing. What is, um, where's the funding coming from from most of these is it mostly donor based or it is it's uh all individual donors throughout the united states we have about sixty three thousand donors throughout the united states that make all this work oh wow sixty three thousand that's a lot a lot of donors Mm -hmm. did did you see that let up over covid or did the you know your income stream stay pretty consistent it stayed pretty consistent. We saw a somewhat of a dip, um, but you know we've we've been really blessed with folks that I mean they're they're as committed as we are. Uh, yeah. And you know, seeing someone suffer is not what I think they want to see happen, regardless. Uh, and you know, uh, we we've been we've had to make some changes and cuts because the price of like doing the grab and go brought yeah. up our meal costs and things like that. But, um, you know, we, we, we continue to be blessed and, you know, we just continue every day. Well, we're going to do a big celebrity fundraiser. Good. And, and, and bring him. Come on I'm, de- I'm dead. Sad. Like, I'm not even kidding. I, mean, I, I am so in love with what you guys do. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, it's good stuff. I mean, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ama- I, I love blessing. it because it's, it's just so genuine, you know, not that, you know, other people we talk to aren't genuine, but I don't know, Chad, like you just, ha- you like really exude this, like, really. Yeah, well, I, think, I think that very often there's this, uh, you know, the term, the white savior complex where a lot of white people will come into a black community and be like, I figured it out. Like I figured it out. Let me, let me go ahead and, and. This doesn't feel like that right, though, exactly. at all. Like exactly. 0%. Yeah. Well, and we're partners, you know, and that that's, I think really what makes the difference is, you know, I, uh, this past year of COVID 
really, uh, it, it has tested a lot of us and a lot of what we think. And, you know, I, I couldn't help but notice, you know, where, when, I mean, we've been living in these poverty area, these impoverished areas for a long time. Our folks have not had money. They've not had electricity and water and, you know, all the things that would, one would think employment opportunities, uh, good good quality education that really is vibrant and and moves them. And it was very interesting when COVID hit and, you know, I, I get in trouble when I say this sometimes, but, you know, when it started, when it starts to hit the white population, regardless of what it is, whether it's an electricity grid in Texas or what, anything, it becomes, yeah. it becomes a much bigger crisis. Yeah. And when, you know, and I'm not saying that folks didn't, you know, get hurt, but we've been living like this for a long time. Right. You've and been in quarantine for years, for long years. before, yeah. You know, long so before that, everyone else was. <laughs> I get that. So this thing of lost jobs and, and, uh, poor living environments and struggling to pay the bills mm-hmm. and it's don't not new. pay rent. This is not new. Right. I mean, we, yeah. We, you know, we have, uh, we have a death rate the same as a third world country. Mm. That's and, shameful. That is shameful. So, so, you know, but it's interesting, you know, how do we get the needle to move? It's a big needle. Um, and, but it's, it is, it just this year, I really had to pray and, and really reflect and just say, Lord, give me the, peace and the patience, uh, because maybe there'll be some good that comes out of this, that, you know, that feeling of being poor, that, mm-hmm. that looking for help, when it hits you, it's very different than saying, oh, it's just them. Mm-hmm. And when you want a job and you can't get a job, yeah. now, you know, it, you know, I just find it, it's, you know, everybody's now real happy to take these $1,400 checks when before they said, why should anybody get money? Sure. So, I mean, we've, right. got, a lot, we've got a lot as a society to figure out here. Um, and, but anyway, I mean, I get on, that's my little bit yeah. of my soapbox. So yeah, that is yeah. not a soapbox. Those were excellent salient points. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because like, well, I know we've, we've talked about, <laughs> we've, I have an extensive vocabulary, Chad. Clearly. We've talked about um, like the heroin epidemic, you know, mm-hmm. like it, they, people talk about it like it's a new thing. And I'm like, black folks have been dying from heroin since the sixties. Like this mm-hmm. is not a, it's not a new, it's not an epidemic. It's been an epidemic, you know, for decades. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're absolutely right. You know, and, and that is one of the other biggest problems with the whole, you know, reality of racism and bigotry is that people oftentimes think, well, those are black people issues. I don't have to worry about that. But the reality is this, we are all humans. This is a human issue. So I heard, if I see a a white baby girl or Asian baby or a black, it doesn't matter, go missing. It kills my heart. Like I feel that pain the same way as if it were my own kid. You know what I mean? And and that's the place we need to get to in society where we understand that these issues are just human issues. They affect all of us, regardless of we're living in it in that moment or not. Exactly. And and that is, you know, and that's one of the things, you know, living in Selma, I've brought up to our city council. And, you know, there's like this broad, we have broad street, the main street, and it's, you know, crime is happening on one side, but when it started moving over into a wider section, then there was now a it's a problem. Yeah. Now it's yeah. a problem. And we you know, have I mean, a crisis. <laughs> and that was the crisis. And I just said, you know, we will fight tooth and nail to rename a street mm-hmm. for whatever. 
but we don't give a damn the name of that young man laying in mm. the middle of the street with a bullet in his head. Mm. Church. And, we, and yes. we, just, we walk away. And mm-hmm. I, I said, you know, we've got to get priorities right. And, and you know, sometimes, I, like I said, I, 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 somebody says, do you ever get nervous saying those things? And I said, no, because it's the truth. Good, I, good for if you. If you say the truth, the tr- you know, the truth will set you free. The truth is also, absolute. It doesn't need any to, proof, yeah. And you, and you don't have to make it up. Like, if you ask mm-hmm. me tomorrow, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Um, yep. it's, there's a problem, and we've got to work harder um, as, a, as a nation and as our individual communities um, to make life better as, as partners in this thing we call life. Chad, you have won my heart. Okay. I just need you to know that I was a little <laughs> sus. I'm not even going to let, let's, since we're in the odyssey box, I was like, mm, white priest working in a black community. Mm-hmm. That was my initial, that was my initial thought talking to you. Ah, uh, chef kisses. I am so glad. I'm well, just happy to make your acquaintance. I just really sing in a gospel choir in new Orleans. Okay, first off, do not threaten me with a duet, okay? I'm coming down now just to sing a duet with you. (laughs) I went to Xavier University for my semester abroad and I I love it. I was the one of the one of one of two white persons on campus. Love it. I love that. I love that. What what here's what we need from you, Chad. Where can people find you guys? Okay. Where can they follow you on social media? And how can we get involved? Like, seriously, how can anybody watching, if they want to donate, if they want to get involved, how, how does that happen? Okay, so our website is www.edmunditemissions.org. Okay. That's got all of our social media. Oh, excellent. Perfect. Stuff there. But Stephen said that we should also promote, and I, this was written out for me so that I could read yes, it Yes, okay, do it. I'm so proud people, of you. I don't even know what it is, but I believe in you. Do it. Yes, people can also text COMEDY to 334-378-4567 to donate quickly and securely from their phones. A $20 gift will pay a, a lunch for one of our students for an entire yes. week. Yes. Chad, said, give, me that, give me that number one more time so I can put it in the stream. Absolutely. 334-378-4567. Four, five, six, seven. And what do they text to that number? Comedy. Comedy. Text comedy. And, and you can donate there. And you said 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Will feed a student for a week. Yes. Yes. I love Chad. Frankie I'm, uh, Frankie, I'm watching my phone now. <laughs> I think I think we got. Here you go. And then um, also, Jared, uh, when you close us out, we were supposed to play a video in between, and I completely forgot. Oh, it's, I completely blanked, too. We can play it at the end. Let's play it on, on our way out. We will play um, it at the end. Um, Chad, we'd love to continue the conversation. Thank you. We're going to continue. The, it's not out. even optional at this point, Chad. We're coming down there. Please we're going to volunteer. We're going to do an event. Like It's going to be amazing. And we we'll are sing. coming to save the city. Come, oh, yeah. come. Let's, and we'll sing. I believe you see, this is the thing. You might think I'm crazy, but I really believe that healing is possible in our lifetime. I really believe that. There is and I, and there's I, a lot I think, of healing that can happen. Yeah, and I think that we can, you know, help in that. And I'm excited to do it. Chad, we love you. You are fantastic. Well, Change nothing about yourself. <laughs> Jared, we love you too. Thank you, Comedy Hub, all the good folks watching us on Twitch. I have been Frankie French. And I'm Stephen Campbell. And this is nonprofits. Do 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 boop 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 do 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 da 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 da.